people with your host, Dennis Beard. Well, on the 19th of January, 2019, we were visited of the Lord Jesus Christ about two hours, but the bottom line was the Lord said, seal my people by my word. Angel, as the angel ascending from the east, heavenly seal of living God, so send I you. A very profound word. And we took it very seriously and started the podcast, Sealing God's People. We have our own app now. We invite you to download the app, joining with us as we go into the present truth of the Word of God, not in Pentecostal, but tabernaculist, not in former rain, but latter rain, not in this book of Acts, the moderate rain that was given in Acts, the second chapter, with cloven tongues of fire sat on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with their tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Well, in the last days, what's the difference? Well, it won't be just cloven tongues of fire setting on each of the individual believers. It will be the individual believer, the ministers, the whole body of Christ turned into fire. Not just cloven tongues of fire, but ash fire, who make his ministers a flame of fire and the Holy One over them for a flame. It'll be the greatest move of God this world's ever seen. Now, in the book of the Revelation, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a song of songs. It's a song of the Lamb. And that song of the Lamb is the masculine final finality of the song of the redeemed. But then we have the song of Moses, which is a shurakahadash, which is feminine origin. And it begins when the believer comes out of Egypt, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, passes over that Red Sea, in Exodus 15, we see the Song of Moses begins. That's a wilderness journey, the world being a wilderness. We're just pilgrims and strangers passing through. And each of the places that the children of Israel went was to try them, to see if they loved the Lord with all their heart, soul, and might. The same is true here, that the Lord is going to try us as by fire, our faith can come forth as pure gold. So therefore, we have to have a made-up mind that we're going to overcome to the end. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. So in the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, sent and signified it by his angel unto John. Out of all the books in the Bible, 66 books can comprise the word of God. We have the final book being 22 chapters and the revelation of Jesus Christ. That revelation of Jesus Christ has 22 chapters. And it's built upon, after the Hebraic ABC theory, design. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew ABCs, the ABC theory. And there are 22 chapters in the Word of God in each of the letters will have a numerical value as well as a picture and a pictorial image that will go with that letter. The only language on, in the earth that does that. And the book of the Revelation shows Jesus to be every attribute of God from the aloft through the tav, from the A to the Z. In the Greek, it's the Alpha to the Omega. 
the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty God. So, in righteousness, for we can understand the righteousness of God and what brings righteousness into the whole world. How is God going to bring righteousness in over the whole world, over all the earth? Well, it's going to be a work. Bring it to pass his work, his strange work. Bring it to pass his act, his strange act. Don't mock at it, lest your bands be made strong, the bands of your heart made strong, just like he did unto Pharaoh. Pharaoh had his own will, but when he came against the word of God, then God hardened Pharaoh's heart. The same will happen in the last days. Through Moses, the Christ that was in Moses, as we see in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, that all the Old Testament prophets, as they prophesied, prophesied by the Spirit of Christ that was in them. It says that the Old Testament prophets, that's, that's Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, 14 minor prophets, all the way to Malachi, searched diligently into the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them. Christ is that Spirit. Christ is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Christ is that omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Spirit. Always has been. Is the Father, is the Word, is the Holy Ghost. Christ is the Son of God. Christ is the Son of Man. Christ is all. That's the revelation of Christ, which is the foundation of the church. But God, whenever Adam lost it, fellowship with God, by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world and death by sin, therefore by one man shall my servant make many righteous. God's got to have a servant. He's got to have a man. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. That's Romans 5. So how does God do it? He searched for a man. He was amazed he could find none. We find in Isaiah 59, 16, his own arm brought salvation to himself. Isaiah, Isaiah 63, 5, that he searched for a man. And he was amazed he could find none. His own arm brought salvation to me, God said. His own arm brought salvation to himself. Well, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Another way to put that is Christ was in Christ, reconciling the world back to Christ. Because Christ is that spirit, but he's also the man. And we find that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. That the Old Testament prophets, very key to understanding the revelation of Christ. That the Old Testament prophets, Samuel, uh, all the way, Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the minor prophets, all of them, search diligently into the grace that should come unto us. How? Searching what or what manner of time? The Spirit. The Spirit. God is the Spirit. Various titles, various attributes, various functions, but only one Spirit. Different ministrations, but only one spirit. And there's only one spirit. One body. One spirit. Ephesians 4. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who's above all the Father of us all and in us all. That's Christ. But he goes on. And this is Peter talking, who had the keys to the kingdom and said that those Old Testament prophets 
Search diligently into the grace that should come unto us. Searching what, what, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, the God Almighty, that Spirit that was in them when it signified, when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ. Now that's going to take a revelation because Christ the Spirit can't suffer. And yet Peter says he will. And that is going to be the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9, we have that mystery revealed. In whom, in him, that one man, our head, why did God hide it? Jesus said in John 16, I have spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time comes that I will no more speak to you in Proverbs, but I'm going to show you, show you, show you plainly of the Father. That's righteousness. And he said when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me, Jesus said. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now we focus on righteousness. We're going to see in Revelation 15 that the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb is although judgments of God are manifest in the righteous judgment of God, the righteousness of God revealed in all the earth, which is the glory, the dignity, the honor that he will reveal to all that is left in the earth. For all shall know him from the least to the greatest. For the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. But what is this work? Well, it consummates in the book of the Revelation. Now, we have 66 books that comprise the Word of God. In these 66 books, there's only one book, the final book that has 22 chapters with a Hebraic design of the Hebrew abecedary, which reveals all the attributes of God from the aloft to the tall, the A to the Z, revealing that He alone is God and there's not another. So as we take a look at what brings in everlasting righteousness, everlasting holiness, what brings in that kingdom and the finality and the consummation of all things, where not only during the millennial, but finally the bride adorned for her husband coming down from God out of heaven. Well, as we take a look at this work, it's a strange work. Bring to pass his act, his strange act. We find it in Isaiah 28. He lays judgment to the lion, righteousness to the plummet. That reveals the height, depth, length, and width of Christ, which is the foundation. Regardless, if it's in the height, depth, length, or width, it's all Christ. Christ, there in that revelation, he is God, always has been God, and always will be God. The Christos which is the Messiah, which is Hamashiach, or the Christos. He is the Messiah, which is God manifest, Emmanuel, God with us. But how does it work? How does he do it? What's the work? It's a strange work. Bring to pass his act, his strange act. He says, I lay judgment to the land. All God's ways are judgment. And he lays righteousness to the plummet. That plummet 
goes and measures the depth that we are in. That measure reaches us, even that measure, which is none other than Jesus Christ. That work that we see in Isaiah 28 is not to destroy all mankind. It is judgment. It will surprise the hypocrite. The overflowing scourge will pass over and uncover the hiding place that many will think their sins there that they will never be found out that they're washed away by just asking Jesus to come into their heart or saying a sinner's prayer and found out that to their horror that that was never the word of God. That that so-called asking Jesus in your heart was no born-again experience. It was simply repentance. And godly sorrow does work repentance unto salvation. It's not salvation, but it works unto salvation, not to be repented of. Repentance is a step, but it's not the finality of being born again. And to be born again, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. So we're going to see that the book of the Revelation doesn't start with just a born-again believer or little children. It's going to show us that we have to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and only the servants of God are going to be sealed in their foreheads in the apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7. And this is not being taught in any denomination. They're saying you're saved, that's it. You're once saved, always saved. So there's nothing that you have to grow into or obedience or to grow up into Jesus and all things that you be not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, that you go into all truth. That's not being taught. Matter of fact, it's swept under the rug. And that's the reason that denominational uh, churches are literally failing back in their outreach and their uh, congregations and they're leaving, uh, going to other things and loving the world when the lovers of God simply because it's not the power of God is not there. It's the same old, same old, in other words. And there's a generation that wants the real thing. They want to see the power of God, not in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Not, it's, not this gospel standing in enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost, as it should be. And that is where God will do a work in the last days. And he is pulling those together, literally building his house now for those that have an ear to hear what he is saying, the Spirit is saying to the churches. In Isaiah 28, it talks about this consumption, this consuming fire. Paul talked about it in Hebrews 12. He put it this way, that in the days of Moses, he's going to destroy all the gods of Egypt. He's going to have a great deliverance and an exodus of his people out of uh, Egypt. Israel will go out and come into the promised land. And he gives Moses that, that assignment on Mount Sinai in Exodus 3. And he goes to a burning bush. And yet it was not consumed, yet the bush was on fire. Moses wanted to turn aside to see this great sight. And when he did, the voice said, Moses, Moses, take the shoes from off your feet. The ground you stand on is holy. 
Then he says, I've seen their affliction. I've heard their cry. I send you down to deliver my people out of Egypt. Moses is one man. 600,000 men, not counting women and children. They had grown from the time that Joseph was in Egypt. But then a king that knew not Joseph arose. And with heart rigor, they ruled the people. But God said he would deliver them after 400 years in bondage. And Moses, the man, drawn out of the water. Moses, proper child. There who had Egypt and the riches of Egypt. There had respect to the recompense of the reward there and took the pleasures of sin for a season and rather to suffer for the cause of God because he had respect to the recompense of the reward, not just for the pleasures of sin for a season, but the everlasting fellowship, the everlasting being a servant of God counted way, way more worth to Moses. As he said, what is your name? And whenever they ask me your name, I'll tell them. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am that I am has sent you. And at that point, Moses, you know, said, I'm not an eloquent man. He said, I've given you Aaron, your brother, to be your mouthpiece. And then we have Moses as a prophet. He said, there will be a prophet like unto me that God will raise up. And him, you will have to hear. Yeah, otherwise you will be destroyed. Speaking of Jesus. Jesus was a king, priest, and prophet. There, Moses, we start there in the Exodus. As soon as they cross the Red Sea, we have the song of Moses with Miriam in a victory song in Exodus 15. They go all the way through the wilderness. And of course, it was only an 11-day journey from Mount Sinai to the Jordan River. Only 11 days. But we know at Kadesh Barnea, the spies come back with an evil report. Only Joshua and Caleb said, we're well able, let's take the land. Well, because they believe the evil report. Then God said, turn them back, go back into the wilderness for another 40 years. And of course, at that time, so there's never been a generation that has partaking of all three seasons of God. And that is all seven feasts of the Lord. The, the ones that came out of Egypt partook of the Passover, the Passover lamb. And the for, uh, unleavened bread and first fruits, they passed over the, the, the Red Sea, the Reed Sea. And in doing they sang this began the song of Moses there in Exodus 15. Then it began the wilderness journey. And then on Sinai, they had their Pentecost 50 days later. Well, actually, from 40 days from four, uh, there from the first fruits and only 11-day journey on into the Jordan River, 50 days they were at their Pentecost in Sinai. And at that time, the mountain burned with fire. And Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. The people said, we don't want to hear the sound of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, lest we die. Because the mountain burned with fire, for the Lord had descended upon Sinai. And they said, Moses, let God speak to you, and we will hear you. 
Well, Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Those that were test them out and were thrust through with a dart are killed. But the Lord promised at that time, so great a sight that was that he shook earth only at that time. He said, now the Lord hath promised yet once more, I shake not only the earth. This is a last day word. I don't shake the earth only, God said. I shake also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. Faith is the substance of things. The things that are made are man-made. God's going to do away with man-made doctrine and literally destroy all the things that are made, man-made, that all that cannot be shaken may remain. So there's a shaking going on among the nations at that time. Amos 9, verse 9, there's a shaking, shaking going on among the nations. Not the least grain will fall to the ground, but I'll destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword, which say no evil shall prevent nor overtake us. No tribulation, no trouble. It's coming. Well, he said the same thing that in that Hebrews 12 is shaking going on and that shaking not only the earth, but also heaven in this last day work. And Haggai too says, whenever he arises to shake all nations, then the desire of the nations shall come. And he said, all the silver and the gold is mine and I'll make the glory. Notice the word glory, the glory of the latter house, greater than that of the former. The former house was that Pentecostal reign in Acts, the second chapter. The book of Acts does not have an amen on it. It's still in operation. And we are in and being recorded for the acts that we're doing now in obedience and our labors do follow us. We cease from our own labors and our works do follow us. And this is in the book of the Revelation. So where are we now? What is happening? What's on the horizon? So I said, was God's doing a new thing? Well, what is it? Well, we, we don't know. Well, yes, we do. Because God's already spoken. He's going to seal his people right now by his word. As the angel ascending from the east having to seal the living God, he is now sealing those people by his word. And that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And without that faith, it's impossible to please God. And this is a faith that was once delivered to the saints that were earnestly contending for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Things. Not the things which are seen, which are temporal, but the things which are not seen, which are eternal. So the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants, those that are serving God in obedience, showing them things which must shortly come to pass. That's the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's the testimony of Jesus. That's the spirit of prophecy to understand the words of the book of this prophecy to be sealed. So let's take a look at it. What is the work? It's a work there that's going to end in holiness, in righteousness. We know that righteousness exalts a nation, sends a reproach to any people. Righteousness is obedience and serving God. And the more we turn away from God, the more that God said, I'll turn that nation into hell that forget God. In other words, it pays to serve God. And we find in Isaiah 28, this work he does, and a strange work, 
bring it to pass this act, his strange act, and it will be as just as it was in the Acts of the Apostles in the former reign. He's going to do it again in the latter reign, except a far greater move of God than we've ever seen before on planet Earth. He's going to shake the heavens and the earth. He's going to overturn, overturn, overturn it. Oh, earth, earth, earth. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Oh, that they were wise, that they would understand or consider their latter end. This work that God's doing is a strange work. But God has put the spirit of the world in their hearts that they will not consider or know the work of God from the beginning to the end. Why? Because the world's in their heart. And that requires sanctification. Any man love the world, the love of his father is not in him. For all that's of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh, and the world passes away with the lust thereof. But whosoever doeth the will of God, whosoever does the will of God, not talks about it, but does it, whoever does the will of God shall abide forever. Therefore, that requires obedience. How do we get to this obedience? Well, in Romans 6, it said, Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, obedience, him are the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death. Well, we have the Holy Ghost. We've got the power of God unto salvation. But if we don't obey it, carnal-minded, it is death. And carnal-minded is we have the Spirit of God, but we do not literally take on a spiritual mind, the mind of Christ, we say a carnal mind, the mind of this world. And that mind has to re be renewed in the renewing of your mind. Not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for you is. And it's only through the word of God. We see that in Romans 12. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the only way you can prove your good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you. What it is. For God worketh in you both the willing to do of his good pleasure, not ours. So we must do the will of God because if we don't, he'll say, depart from me, you works of iniquity, for you did not do the will of God. Matthew 7. Now, say to me, Lord, Lord, will be blind or in, because you did not do the will of my Father which is in heaven, Jesus said, in the days of his flesh. So it's a very profound and essential thing that we must do in obedience unto righteousness. Righteousness. Jesus paid that. Him that he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, by him and through him. And that righteousness is through obedience. So whosoever you yield your members of servants to obey, him are the servants to whom you obey, are of obedience unto righteousness. Then goes on to holiness, the peaceable fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. What brings it in? The work of God. God's work. It's a strange work. Bringing to pass his act is strange act. It's an overflowing scourge that's going to pass over that will surprise the hypocrite. Goes to church, but has no idea 
of what the work of God is. Oh, it's a thing. God's going to do a new thing. They don't know what it is. Why? Because for this reason, the world's in their heart. And the spirit of that world is in their heart that they cannot know or consider the work of God from the beginning to the end. They gather for corn and wine, move the Holy Ghost, but none considering the work of God. And it's a strange work. It's going to seem like it's just not God. It's so profound and so radical a change. They said that just can't be God. God wouldn't do that, but yet he is. And it's called judgment. Righteousness to the planet, judgment to the line. And that righteousness is to bring us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and to a perfect man. So in Isaiah 28, does it destroy all mankind? Judgment to the line, righteous to the plummet. It surprised the hypocrite. In the morning, they'll say, would God it was evening. In the evening, they'll say, would God it was morning. And it'll only be a vexation only to understand the report. Well, what is this? Well, it's a judgment of God. It'll be in the earth. It's a consumption upon all the inhabitants of the earth. Isaiah 28 says so. Consumption is a consuming fire. That's exactly what Paul said in Hebrews 12, that God hath promised. Yet once more, he shucks not only the earth, as he did in the days of Moses, in the exodus of Israel out of Egypt. But yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. Anything is a man-made doctrine in the things of faith will be removed, will fall. So that those things cannot be shaken may remain. That's the remnant of her seed, the woman, the church. They keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy, that is the church in Revelation 12. They take their flight in the winter. And on that Sabbath day, two wings of a great eagle given to that woman. The remnant of her seed where she flieth into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God where she's nourished from the face of the serpent the old dragon the serpent the scorpion for a time times and dividing of a time three and a half years 42 months 1,203 score days uh, that is uh, 42 months that the work of God will be manifest in the earth at this time there will be a great onslaught and the devil will prevail against the saints for 42 months, time, times and a half. He'll cast truth down to the ground. You'll be hated of all nations for his name's sake. Some will be delivered up to be killed. Killed you. Jesus said, I have forewarned you that you should not be offended. For the time will come that deliver you without the synagogues, the churches. The time will come, yea, the time will come that whosoever killeth you will think that he did God a service. This is a time of trouble such as never was, such was a nation, neither shall ever be again. And it's immediately after the tribulation of those days that the sound of the Son of Man appears in heaven with the sound of a, the shout and the voice of the archangel, trump of God. He sends his angels to gather together his elect. The rapture, if you will, are gathering together to him until the Lord God in the air. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. When? Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. So we've been told, well, we're not going through that. It doesn't seem right, yet it is. 
For those that are seeking God with their whole heart, he will reveal this work to you. And this consumption decree, this consuming fire, he goes on to say in Hebrews 12, that God will not shake only the earth, but also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. Things are the things of faith. Faith is the substance of things, so far. And if they're man-made, they will be removed so that the things can, that cannot be shaken, those that have the true word of God, that faith that comes by hearing of that word, cannot be shaken and may remain the remnant that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Seeing then that we have a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God with reverence and godly fear. For our God, Paul says, is a consuming fire. There's a consumption decreed upon the whole earth. It's a work, a strange work. It's God's act, his strange act, the consumption upon the whole earth. But we find out, is it to destroy mankind? No. The consumption decreed will overflow in righteousness. We find that in Isaiah 10. The consumption decree will overflow into what? Um, unto righteousness. All that is left of the land shall know it from the least to the greatest. After this work, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth as the waters cover the seas. Well, this is what we're headed for. It's the greatest time to be alive. The greatest move of God the world has ever seen is right here at, at the door. For those that have an ear to hear, he's preparing us now for the greatest move of God this world has ever seen. Well, righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. We turn our back on God. He's the nation that forgets God. He said, I will turn it into hell. We need to understand and hear the voice of the Son of God. And those that hear will live. In Revelation 1, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's going to reveal who the real God is. Is he a trinity? Is it a tritheist? Binary? Two, the Lord said to my Lord, is there two there? Oneness? Well, the spirit is God, but the man is still up there in a glorified flesh and bone, and the spirit's still in him standing at the right hand of God not realizing he's not talking about a physical right hand, Kyre, he's talking dexios, exaltation, glory, dignity, literally exalted above the heavens. And very few have that understanding. But there will be a great move of God and you won't be able to number the people that come in. Whole nations will be saved simply because the reaver is going to over, over, Take the sower and the sower of the reaper. A great harvest of souls, and it'll be a short work. And what? In righteousness. There the Lord will do a short work. For the elect's sake, he has shortened those days. The elect's the church. It's right upon us. And if for one reason, to reveal who he is. Well, there's two missionaries. They were young men. They were going to a remote place in a jungle and they knew when they took this trip that the missionaries had gone before them had died had been killed 
They were very young men, early 20s, not married. And they asked him, why are you doing this? You know that you're going to a certain death. You will be mortared for the Lord Jesus Christ, and nothing you do will make any difference. They say the greatest thing there is on the face of this earth is to win souls. Well, he that winneth souls is wise, no doubt about it. But is that the pure heart? Is that the purest that the heart can be? And these two missionaries were going, and they said, don't you understand? You're going to have a certain death. It won't change anything, so why are you doing it? You're not going to win any souls. They're going to kill you. You won't last a week. And they said back to the man, well, we're not going there for ourselves. The only motive and why we're going is for Jesus to be glorified, for him to receive the glory due to his name. By what death you should glorify God, just as he did with Peter. Peter, when you're young, you walk whithersoever thou wouldest. But when you're old, you'll walk whither thou wouldest not. This he signified by what death Peter should glorify God. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The church is going to have the opportunity to seal their testimony with their own blood. And this will be the greatest shaking the world's ever seen between the righteous and the wicked, the holy and the profane, those that serve God versus those that do not serve God because the ones that serve God will be hated of all nations and some will be put to death. And he said, when this comes to you, in John 16, verse 1, I have forewarned you that you should not be offended. That you're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Mark, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 says so. Some of you, they'll never have to be afflicted and shall kill you, but not one hair of your head shall perish. Don't fear him that hath power to kill the body, but fear him that hath power to kill the body and destroy the soul in hell. So whatever, whatever comes in the last days, the Antichrist exalts himself above all his God or that is worship so that he has God set in the temple of God showing himself that he is God hated, the Christian hated of all nations for his name's sake. We will know what it means in Hebrews 11 that these ones, these ones having never received the promise, died in faith. These ones that were dwelling in caves, not big mansions on a hilltop with, with uh, uh, you know, jet planes flying all over the world. They lived in caves, clothing of sheepskins and goatskins. The women not uh, receiving their dead, their babies back from the dead. And they didn't, didn't accept deliverance. They could have been delivered. They didn't accept deliverance. Why? Rotting for themselves, making for themselves a better resurrection. What? They knew they're going to be a witness for Jesus. Witness, there's mortars. The church is going to have the opportunity to do the same, to seal our testimony with our own blood. It's going to literally shake the church world. And the ones that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. There'll be a time of, of the works 
of the ministry like we've never seen before in, uh, in the power given to God's two witnesses, which is Jesus working in and through the body of Christ in Revelation 11. So when we talk about what is it, what's the bottom line? For Jesus to receive the glory due to his name. That's the whole reason for the whole thing. What's the reason for the seals, trumpets, vials of the wrath, filled up the wrath of God? Why all? God said, I kill, I make alive. I wound, I heal, I do all these things. Shall there be evil in the city? Now the Lord God has not done it. I caused it to rain on one city and not on another. Still, you would not serve me. Why? So that you may know. Jesus said that I am God and there's not another. It will reveal the glory of Jesus Christ and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he only is God and there's not another the blessed and only potentate who only hath immortality. He's the only one dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto nor see nor can see. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. He is, Revelation 1, 8, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, God Almighty, not God Jr., not Spirit Jr., but God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. The whole book of the Revelation is to reveal him, that he is God and there's not another. The seals, trumpets, and vials will have our opportunity to grow into the full measure of Jesus Christ unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of Jesus. And righteousness, this overflowing scourge that will pass over, that will uncover the hiding place of all hearts. Everything will be made manifest. That's spoken there in the closet will be revealed upon the housetops. Every intent of the heart will be made plain. And at that time, it'll be for one reason. For Jesus to be revealed in his glory that he is the only God Almighty. He is the Father of glory. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. He's El Shaddai. He's Elohim. He is the Lord Jehovah, Yahweh, the Lord God, Yeshua Homoshiach. He is the Lord God, the Christos. He is the Yeshua. He is Jesus, the Christ. He is the Lord God. Jesus, Jehovah, is our salvation. Our God will come for our salvation. When he comes a second time without sin and salvation, for the salvation of his people, his saints. This is the greatest time to be alive. This is going to overflow in righteousness. We see that in the song of Moses, and they sing the song of the Lamb. And why? For thy judgments are made manifest in the earth, that they are righteous. For that he alone is God. He revealed the revelation of Jesus Christ. we love to hear from you. Now, we'll be breaking down the book of the Revelation and the various letters from the chapter 1 to chapter 22 and the numbers and the numerical value and the biblical numbers it reveals, as well as the picture and the various typology, the various uh, signs that he gives us in Revelation. A great one in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, a moon under feet upon the head, a crown of 12 stars. The woman, the church, bringing forth a man child caught up to God into his throne, not a rapture but the final glory revealed in and through 
the body of Christ that keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus coming to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The best is yet ahead. Let us hear from you. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. We there, you can write to us or visit us on sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com, or dennisbeard.org. God's putting his body together. We'd love to hear from you. We would like to join hands with you. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.